Good evening. On behalf of superheroes everywhere, oh, and superheroines, or super persons if you prefer, I bid you welcome. Ah, that I have your attention. We'll proceed. Welcome to Now Playing's DC Comics Team Up Retrospective Series. He calls my arrival the dawn of the superhero. I am not sure if I know what that means. Continuing our look at movies based on DC Comics characters, Arnie, Stewart, and Jacob will be reviewing Legends of the Superheroes. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's mightiest mortal. Justice League of America. We all need heroes in our lives. Sometimes we find them in the most unlikely places. Gen 13. Once the students become Gen Active, no one will be able to stop us. Not Lynch, not the government. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. League of what? There have been other times when a danger upon the world required the services of singular individuals. And Watchmen. And all the whores and politicians will look up and shout, Save us. And all the whisper, No. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. That was naughty. Listener discretion is advised. Sounds cool. I kind of like the superhero stuff. It'll be just like, like a super friend. Today we're discussing Gen 13, starring Alicia Witt, John Delancey, Flea, Elizabeth Daly, and Mark Hamill, directed by Kevin Altieri. I can't believe you dissed Oscar winner Cloris Leachman. What'd she win an Oscar for? Last Picture Show. Okay. Was she doing that great Germanic accent in that? (laughs) She wasn't. This is the now playing co-host who wants a superpower too, Arnie. Stewart in LA. And this is the host that always keeps us thinking above the waist, Jacob. I've listened to you on this show for years, Jacob. That's a bald faced lie. Hey, dickhole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no way keeping it above the waist this show. I mean, man, oh, man. We get to swear, we get to talk about nudity, and we got a cartoon? Yes. Cartoons. Has it ever gone well? Have we ever recommended them? Princess Mononoke. Incredibles. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Yes. The answer is yes, then. Good. Big Hero 6. The list goes on. (laughs) I think the list ends there. I think Mutant Ninja Turtles got a recommender, too. Two out of three, yeah. And I think Jerry recommended Transformers. Oh, God. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, yes, it can happen. When they are professionally made and released. However, what we're talking about was shelved, was never put out here in America. We had to dig through garbage piles on YouTube to find a blurry copy of this son of a bitch. Okay, but that is nothing about the film's quality. Here's what happened. Yeah, this is a Disney conspiracy. This is a true DC-Marvel rivalry, if if it's to be believed. This film had the copyright owned and distribution rights by one of Vista, who is owned by Disney. And this was done when Gen 13 was a Wildstorm comic, which, Jacob, I mean, you can fill us in on what Wildstorm is, but in the midst of production, as this was nearing completion, Wildstorm was bought by DC, and Disney was like, well, we're not going to help Warner Brothers, and they 
permanently shelved this movie, not because of quality, but simply to not promote a Warner Brothers property. It did get, though, a screening at a convention at Wizard World, I believe. <laughs> and it got international releases if Wikipedia is to be believed. Serbia, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> so... I can't tell if this was intended for a direct-to-DVD release, as DC has done with so many of its movies, or if this was actually intended for theatrical. The involvement of Buena Vista leads me to believe that it's theatrical, yet the behind-the-scenes talent leads me to believe DVD. I mean, Mark Hamill has—I I don't think Batman the Animated Series was going on by this time, but that would have been the biggest thing he was doing previous to this. And Kevin O'Terry, he had worked on Batman. He was— a director of the show and and worked on Mask of the Phantasm as a sequence director. They actually went to Batman talent to bring this to the screen. I saw that he had worked on Cops, that C-O-P-S. I don't know if you remember that from the 80s. Bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> no, no, no. Fighting crime in a future time. I vaguely remember it. I never watched it. I did watch Alf Tales, but I didn't watch C-O-P-S. Yes, exactly. I, I was familiar with his early work, Kevin Altieri. But uh, no, I, I don't know who this guy is. And yeah, you saying Mask of Phantasm just reminds me. I have no business watching a cartoon movie because I thought that was a pretty lame movie and then we had all our fans tell us what a great classic we had undermined so maybe I'm about to do that again well Atieri also did Stan Lee's Stripperella <laughs> Pamela Anderson and once again Mark Hamill mm-hmm <laughs> Not good company. I think, though, that is a closer approximation to what we're going to be discussing than Batman. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Gen 13, you mentioned Wildstorm. That was an imprint of not DC at the time when this was created, but Image. If you followed comic books in the 90s, you had the great artist revolution where Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, they weren't getting the rights they wanted from working for Marvel and DC. They all revolted and created their own label, Image. And published comics through there and huge success. I mean, they made Spawn. Yeah, Spawn, Wildcats, Savage Drag. I mean, these were huge. It kind of faded fast, so found come to find out like artists that spend a lot of time and getting in the details couldn't put out regular issues. And so I don't know if it was a joke, but I actually went to an image reunion panel at Comic-Con and they just started discussing the parties with mounds of cocaine. And I'm not sure if it was joking, but I'm guessing it wasn't. No, Rob Liefeld starred in a Levi's 501 button fly commercial. I mean, they were superstars in the 90s. Directed by Spike Lee, remember? <laughs> yeah, so like Jim Lee and Brandon Choi created Gen 13. J. Scott Campbell, another huge artist in the comic industry. I love J. Scott Campbell. I am a huge fan. I'm not a comic collector, but I collect J. Scott Campbell variant covers for Marvel. I even have a couple original pieces of Campbell's work in my house. I'm a huge fan. Probably a lot of cleavage and, and thongs in those. I He does a lot of pinups from what I've seen, or, or that's the style he goes for, typically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the gratuitous nudity that we have in this cartoon is, is the handiwork of him. Well, understand he also does superheroes. I have a Spider-Man statue that was based upon his artwork. It's not all nudity and thongs. Some of my favorite covers he's done are like of the X-Men and they're fully clothed and it's not like he's a playboy artist. Admittedly, he goes for curvaceous women when he draws women, but not all of the art I collect of his is women. I have a lot of Spider-Man. I, I think of him 
first and foremost as a Spider-Man cover artist. And then I realized, oh, there was a time when he used to actually do full comics, but that was before I knew of him. All right, let me take a guess here. I Normally, we leave this to Jacob. And, you know, he's going to tell us the history and all of this. Basically, how do we make superheroes for the next generation? For Generation X, for the slackers that don't care, that don't want their parents superheroes, let's do it Gen 13. Is that the thought here? Well, yeah, because it came from Image, they had to create all their own characters. And I think because they're a young artist and, and so they were visually driven, yeah, we're going to do things that appeal... Well, maybe to like 15-year-old boys. And then we're going to put some curves in there. They, their image always felt a little more risque. Like, you could have swearing. They didn't care about the comics code at the time. So... They had to create a whole new universe, and that's what they did with this Wildstorm universe, where it was much more about, like, government operations, secret, covert experimentation going on, much more paranoid, like that worldview of, like, you can't trust your government, whereas comics came from this whole tradition of, oh, yeah, Superman, he stands for America, and we could trust him because we trust America. Image had a different feel, and this Wildstorm universe had a very different feel because it emerged from the 90s, and then eventually it... it started to go bankrupt so so dc came in and bought wildstorm and now this these characters have kind of been put in with the dc universe they they pop up every now and then yeah i understand that since the new 52 reboot they did a few years ago gen 13 has pretty much disappeared well the, some of the characters popped up in superboy because superboy is like a clone was made from this again secret government agency fairchild i believe showed up in there before she was fairchild but they they've name dropped some of these characters here and there. But you said Jim Lee, and I noticed he was listed as the writer of this. Is he a writer? I thought he was an artist like Campbell. He's primarily an artist. That's what people really know. I don't think anyone's craving the next Jim Lee written comic book, even though now he's like a big editor at DC. But yeah, he, he's always been an artist. And that's, you know, again, when Image was created, they pulled all those artists and then they all of a sudden had to write comics too. So how long was this on the shelves for Kevin Altieri and his production assistant said, hey, we can write a movie of it? Early 90s, 1993 is when Gen 13 debuted. So six, seven years. Yeah. So it had time to gain traction. I mean, Spawn had already gotten into theaters before this and was created around the same time. I don't know if you remember that MTV cartoon, The Max. That was based on an image comic, and that was weird. Yeah, I remember those. I don't know what this is. Admittedly, despite knowing some of the names involved, I put this in blank, or I should say I pushed play on YouTube blank. <laughs> I did Apple play it to my screen, which was a bad mistake. Horrible picture. But I knew nothing coming in, but I saw those names I knew in the opening credits and I'm like, well, this gives me a little bit of hope. These are names of people whose work I admire, but I didn't expect a PG-13 plus kind of cartoon. When I heard it was a Disney type of property, I expected that we were going to be seeing something again, like Big Hero 6 or one of those. I didn't think Big Hero 6, but I thought some of the more direct DVD stuff that DC and Marvel does today, which it's a little more mature. It's a PG-13 area for a lot of that stuff. I hear they're doing The Killing Joke and they are planning an R rating. That's got to be R rated. Yeah, I, I would imagine. Yeah. So they're not afraid of going a little bit more edgy with that stuff. I'm actually impressed with how some of that goes, but... 
Yeah, I didn't know anything about Gen 13. I had no idea Jim Lee wrote anything, or I should say plagiarized X-Men comics. Oh my god. (laughs) That's how a lot of Image felt. I mean, they had worked for Marvel and DC, and they brought those ideas over with them. Why create mutants when you can create gens and own the copyright? That was their thinking. They wanted full royalties, so that's why they did it. I hope it's as good as Generation X. Arnie, give them the plot. I'll tell you right now, better than Generation X. By far. But the same creative impetus. Alicia Witt voices Caitlin Fairchild, a college student and bona fide genius, but she has trouble getting along with her peers, including her sex-positive roommate Rachel. So when she's invited to an exclusive new school for exceptional students, she happily agrees. The school happens to be at a military base, but Caitlin doesn't mind as she's quickly making friends with students Percival Chang, known as Grunge and voiced by the Red Hot Chili Peppers Flea, and Roxanne Spaulding, voiced by the ever-sexy E.G. Daly. But in truth, school headmaster Ivana isn't telling the students her real research is into the Gen program, intended to create super-powered soldiers she will use to overthrow the government. She's partnered with telekinetic Gen Matthew Callahan, voiced by Mark Hamill, and he also calls himself Threshold. The school brought Caitlin here because she's the child of a Gen 12 subject. Her father went rogue and tried to hide Caitlin and her older brother. Her father was killed, but Caitlin was saved by her father's friend, Colonel Jack Lynch, voiced by Star Trek's John Delancey. Lynch has been trying to stop Fairchild and Threshold's plans, but has no direct proof, and so he's stymied. While Caitlin sleeps, she's subjected to torturous experiments that try to bring out her powers. And one night, while looking for the infirmary, Caitlin stumbles into Ivana's control room and finds the truth out about her father. Soldiers storm in, and the attack activates Caitlyn's gen factor, turning her into a super-strong, statuesque superhero. She tries to fight off the soldiers, but Grunge and Roxanne are captured and tortured, and their gen factors also come out, and Grunge nearly violates copyright but become Marvel's Absorbing Man. (laughs) I thought he was just Colossus at first, but no, he is Absorbing Man. I thought the same thing. There was Mondo! Mondo from Generation X! You remember way more about Generation X than anyone should. You made me watch it! I don't remember a thing about that except Mind Rape. There was a character that was exactly like this. Mondo was super strong. This guy... No, everything Mondo touched, he became the property of. Oh, that's right. I forgot the whole Jell-O joke. And yet somehow this is better than that? No. (laughs) Style counts for a lot. Roxanne finds herself able to levitate and takes the codename Freefall. The three combined are aided by Colonel Lynch and his men. They defeat Ivana's troops and even Ivana herself, and it comes down to a fight between Threshold and Caitlyn. But then Lynch arrives and reveals that Threshold is Caitlyn's older brother, something every audience member had to have figured out by then. Within the first opening scene? Yeah. And they were separated after their father died. Threshold was taken to the Gen program while Caitlyn grew up with her uncle. Ivana has her base self-destruct and Threshold stays behind, while Lynch helps Freefall, Grunge, and Caitlyn to escape. The Colonel recruits the three to help make the world a better place, and they accept as credits roll. By going away and not coming back for a sequel. (laughs) Man, boy, is this setup familiar or what? We have been here, yes, X-Men, Firestarter, or in animation. We haven't done it yet, but I always think about Akira. Psychic teens controlled by a government, pushed to their limits. I was definitely thinking Firestarter, especially with this opening. I mean, it is straight Firestarter that you have a little girl with superpowers and... 
her father was part of an experimental program that gave him superpowers that were passed on genetically, that there's a secret shadow government agency doing these tests. Somebody watched Firestarter and said, hey, this could be a new X-Men team. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's copying anything. I just think it's something that is done to death. I mean, I just think it is an old saw, like a killer in the woods. There's just so many at this point. What I want to know is we're now in DC. What is DC spin? How do they take this old thing and polish it and make it new and make it not feel like X-Men, Firestarter, Akira? I I think you're going to be asking for too much with that (laughs) question, Stuart. The way they do it is through making it slightly more PG-13 and trying to make it relatable to 90s teens and perhaps even early 20s audiences, whereas what Marvel does and what DC proper does is aimed at a younger crowd. I don't think you'd get away, at least at 93, because this is based off the first five issues of that series, pretty closely from what I understand. Yes, yeah. I mean, you do, like when Rachel Callahan, this couple with these two kids, I mean, when she gets shot, she is riddled with bullets. Like, yeah, they are going for a different aesthetic than you'd see in, well, what was ever available at the time, Batman the Animated Series. It was during that shot with the gore that I suddenly knew we were not in something that was ever intended to be a ride next to It's a Small World. We were in Buena Vista, not Disney, and this was going to be a bit more grown up than I'd expected, and I was taking that welcome. Sure, I mean, yeah, if you're going to make something more sophisticated, I'm definitely more open to it. And yes, you're right, the death of the parent, I mean, parents usually die at the beginning of even Bambi, but yes, you didn't see the deer on screen (laughs) exploding into (laughs) pools of blood, and that's exactly what we get with Rachel here. It's funny, because I was thinking about Bambi's mom when the mom went down, too. (laughs) I think Steven gets it, too. It's not as clear-cut, but he gets a death ray out of him. His his temples do this cool veiny thing, and he fires the look of death and brings down a chopper. But I think we're supposed to think that when he's hit with bullets that he's not going to get up either. That they're both killed. This is still pretty tame. Like, even anime up to at this point was going more hardcore. I feel like that was always made for a more teenage adult audience. I mean, here we're praising, oh, there's blood, but it's still not crazier than anything you would have seen from Japan at the time. But you mentioned anime, Jacob, and I definitely think there's anime influence in here. We see it. I was, again, taken back to Voltron or even Princess Mononoke, and I saw some of the style, some of the backgrounds when powers are used, some of the, you know, the lines are moving, but the characters staying in the same place. Yeah, watch Akira. That's what it's from. My two references are Akira and Heavy Metal, if you remember the early 80s animated movie that had boobies and blood. Oh, I love Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal 2000, not so much. Heavy Metal is always something you think you enjoy until you go back and actually watch it. There was one good segment in it. I saw it first in like 2000 when the sequel came out. So 99, 2000. But I was also kind of impressed with the voice talent when the credits roll after the parents die. You were impressed with this voice talent? I have no <laughs> idea who Alicia Witt is. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, she she's awful. Come on. You were impressed here? Who is she? She is a David Lynch uh, alumni. She did a lot of stuff with him. She always had a lisp. I was surprised she was doing voice work because I assumed that was a real condition she had. If you saw Dune, she was the little girl in the burqa that's like... And how can this be? 
because she is the kind of West looking thing. She couldn't even get through the lines. And then she, she did some other stuff with him. Are you Daffy Duck? <laughs> oh my God, she was in four rooms. Yeah. She was in the witches segment. I've seen stuff with her in it. The name meant nothing to me, and I'll admit she's terrible in this. She is miscast. She sh- I don't know who she is, but they really needed a better voice actor as their lead. She talks like this the whole time. Like It, it starts out right when she meets this general while she's going to class. He's trying to recruit her. I'm like, wow, this this is bad. Like, Was there a director directing the voice talent here? Because this sounds like demo work. This sounds like what you do if you don't want the role. Like if your agent signed you up for it and you don't want to be there, but there's a contract. Because she's like, oh, wow, I have superpowers now. It's like, what? Are you drugged? Are you sick? But then, I mean, the other people involved, John Delancey from Star Trek, a actor I just love watching and hearing. He's done quite a bit of voiceover work. Q. It should be said Next Generation Star Trek. Okay, it was Q. Yeah, I thought I just figured everybody knew who John Delancey was. That's how much of a fan I am. No. (laughs) I know who Q is, though. Everybody knows John Delancey. I mean, and then Flea from Chili Peppers. It did not sound like Flea to me. Like, I'm like, okay, grunge. Obviously, that's the Flea character. I'm like, no, wait, that's not Flea. Like, I don't know if they modulated his voice or what. He's acting... Come on, he's... I, oh, I was going to say, he might be sedated, like, on heroin or something. He just talks so slow. And... He was very clean by this point. They'd gone under the bridge and come out clean. Well, give him some heroin, then. Yeah, no, he's giving a performance here. He's playing a big, lumbering idiot, and so he's going to give that kind of voice. Elizabeth Daly? Now, I may be the only E.G. Daly fan here, but I enjoyed her in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Who is she in that? Dottie. She's the girl. Oh, okay, Dottie. Yes, okay. See, you tell me the character names. I know who those are. <laughs> Again, E.G. Daly. I, she, she sang. She acted. Better Off Dead, yeah. Better Off Dead. And she did the Mind Over Matter song in summer school that I absolutely just listened the hell to in the 80s. And then I think she became best known when she went into voice work. She's the voice of Tommy from Rugrats. I know Flea did Wild Thornberries, which was a Nickelodeon property like Rugrats, so maybe they just went over to Nickelodeon Studios to grab some talent. Yeah, she, not long after this, went on a E! entertainment show called Celebrity Blind Date. It's basically, yeah, celebrities desperate for a date with a regular person, and I'm like, poor E.G. Daly... I date her. I don't care that she's really old now. And then Mark Hamill. I know he was doing voice work in the 90s primarily. And it, what's so weird is like when he did the Joker, I still I listen to that and I don't hear Hamill's voice here. It, he's just talking. He's just using his regular voice here. I, I Again, I just don't feel like this voice talent is up to what I would expect for a professional animated movie. I'll leave it at this. I'm not going to attack this movie for the voice talent. I'm not going to compliment this movie for the voice talent. <laughs> These are not where my concerns lie. Everyone is acceptable or maybe slightly better. How about Cloris Leachman? She's amazingly cast in this. <laughs> you like that German accent? Yeah. <laughs> Doing the same <laughs> Frau Blucher she did from Young Frankenstein. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. <laughs> You're Jed activating your sarcasm powers, Stuart. <laughs> I'm just saying she's well cast. I'm not saying she went outside. Any of these people have gone outside their range. I'm saying they're well cast. No names. You know, they're names I have heard of from both live action and other animated works making me think 
There's money behind it. They didn't just go to a day laborer say, thing and say, who wants $10 to talk into a mic? I, yeah, I don't think that happens, but okay. I get your point. <laughs> day laborers? You haven't played some of my 90s video games, Jacob. I'm pretty sure that happens. <laughs> Okay, so the bar is really low, like you're tripping over it at this point that you've set for this movie. I'm just saying by the credits, I'm already excited that it is above the bar that I went in of expectations. And then when you get Caitlin in college and her roommate Alexa having sex, showing her ass and asking for a condom... I'm resetting expectations here. Yeah, I'm like, come on, put a tie over. You're supposed to put a tie on the doorknob. I don't know if that's what girls do. That's what guys are supposed to do. But yeah, I, I was surprised. Like, Caitlin goes to open the door and it's locked from the inside. I'm like, oh, jokingly saying this is going to be a sex scene. And it was. We can all admit it would be more fun if this is where the show, the pilot, whatever the hell they want to call this, the movie, if you will, is set. If she were attending this college while she was developing her superpowers, we'd be having a lot more fun than when she quickly gets whisked away to a military base in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, Alexa is a fun foil because, yeah, she just doesn't care. She turns off the alarm so she can sleep in, and she's always having sex and doesn't care about her roommate and that's tension that's something that's fun to watch but what it does is it pushes caitlin into calling up the nsc i don't even know what that is 1-800 number 24 7 number yeah <laughs> yeah someone gives her a pamphlet and says you would you're gonna get a full scholarship we know your father and so she decides that she, yeah she knows everything they're teaching her and her roommate's a slut so why not spend the rest of the movie in a really boring place i admit i was sad to see alexia go because i liked the dynamic of the bad girl and the nerd. I thought that did create good conflict. Yeah, if you're going to do like a Gen X kind of thing, I mean, it was kind of what they tried to do last week. If you're if you're going to have those kinds of relationships, uh, let's see them unfold. What we're going to get is stock. I mean, it is Saturday morning boring characters. There's nothing Gen X about them. And she is whisked right away to this secret base. Like, she looks at the phone number, and the next thing you know, she's on a helicopter there. And she seems awfully nonchalant for thinking she's going to a school, and in fact being on a heavily armed military base to, from which she cannot leave. Met by a German woman and robots and, yes, helicopters from a space-age show. Yeah, you would know immediately that you were no longer going to college. Or you were going to the best college ever if you were having students students develop this stuff i mean that's how i tried to look at it is maybe she thinks this is like real genius and <laughs> real genius i'm sure that's what everyone thought yes we we haven't had a real genius drop in a while no, but here's what I'm thinking. Yeah, real genius. These are supposed to be the cream of the crop. And the first people she meets are Roxy, who's smoking. She's got, you know, the pink punked out hair. Not that you can't be a genius, but I don't see anything smart about her. And you have Chang or Grunge, who's a doofus. Like, Fairchild believes she's at, you know, basically Xavier's school for the gifted. I, I don't see any other gifted people around here. I actually thought they were all really smart, but perhaps not socially so. We're never showing that, if that's the case. Mm -mm. I thought Grunge was just a doofus, but I never thought he was stupid. And Roxy, these people are accepting of Caitlyn, so I understand why she'd immediately think, this is better than my previous school, even if Frau Blucher was her headmaster. Yeah, I mean, here's the characters. One likes to eat, and one smokes. 
The end. I mean, that is as deep as these characters get. Send her back with a slut. At least something's <laughs> going to happen there. See, that's kind of where I was. Is That's the dynamic I was liking here. They're stereotypes, but I kind of thought that grunge, you know, with his chest tattoo and things, he was trying to go very 90s. The look told me, like, surfer dude, but he's also a little bit, like, shaggy and Scooby-Doo with his fear of needles and whatnot. At one point, he puts on sunglasses and goes, this is gonna be cool. I mean, he's Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> this is bad. Wait a sec, you just like to throw Scrappy-Doo under a bus every chance you get, but I disagree. <laughs> As do most people, because he was the epitome of a pandering, foolish character, as these are. I mean, this yells image to me. I know this is DC, but this originated with that image attitude. It was like, pouches. We got not one, but two characters. We'll get into them with Lynch and Matthew Callahan. Like, with things going on with their eyeballs, chest tattoos. Like, we're going to have... Grunge with leather bands around his arm for no reason, like just because it's cool and it's cool to draw. That is the tradition that this is coming out of. And I feel it like it's not deep, but there's things you might find visually appealing. And because I was into Marvel Comics in the early 90s when all these image guys were working there and doing Deadpool with 18,000 pouches and <laughs> Cable with no feet, I actually have a nostalgic enjoyment of this aesthetic. Now, I do think, I've gone and looked at the comics. This has nothing on the comics. It's like a poor man's copy of the comics by trying to in include these tattoos and character hallmarks, but it's not nearly as artistically interesting as what Campbell was doing on the page. Oh, no. I mean, I, look, Campbell's not my style, but yeah, that's more visually interesting. I find this pretty generic. I didn't say... Uh, and maybe half a notch, maybe a whole notch below Batman the Animated Series. Like, it, not great. I'll agree. I'll agree with that. Yeah, this animation's not good. I, I need everyone to, to repeat that, right? Not good. This is a bad-looking movie. <laughs> I couldn't tell how much of it was the YouTube copy and how much of it was the animation. I went back and watched some of the German dub, because that was a much clearer picture than the American dub that we watched on YouTube. And no, it's... I would be shocked if this came out in theaters. It did not seem theater quality. This is Saturday morning TV. But then again, Transformers the movie didn't seem movie quality either, but they've released worse. Yeah, but Transformers the movie, 1980, what, 586, this is the year 2000. Okay, but this is much better than Transformer the movie did, but it's still not great. It's still jerky. It's still, the movements aren't smooth. It's lesser than Mask of Phantasm, which was in theaters seven years before. Is this hand-drawn cell shading? Because it really seems that way to me because of how a lot of the movements go. It just felt like, well, we have these cells. I would say in 99, not a whole lot of CGI going on with animation. I'm willing to bet this is still hand-done. Yeah, it was pre-Flash taking over, so... I actually like the cell style, even if it means the movements aren't going to be as smooth and fluid and you're going to have much more limited facial expressions and poses because they're literally putting pen on paper. But I could live with these voice actors. I could live with this animation if anything interesting were happening. This is supposed to be a school for smart kids. All they're doing is pull-ups. I mean... Talk about losing all that tension that we felt at the normal college. It goes right into a montage where, yeah, the, the characters are going to play the joust from American Gladiators and run. It's boring. But it's a montage. It lets me know what they're going through 
But it's not setting anything. At this point, you're supposed to be setting up the new conflicts. Yeah, what they're going through is basic training. I mean, there's no academics. There are. There's a highly advanced math class with some formula on it that I don't understand. I see square root symbols and like cosines. Gibberish. Most <laughs> of the montage, that is one shot in a montage of treadmills, karate moves, climbing over hurdles and walls, and for some reason, doing air guitar while you mop up a bathroom. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> to some weird kraut rock craft work kind of yeah it was this really weird industrial like minimalist yeah people banging on bots and pans music i'll admit there was less studying there than i expected and if i was caitlin i'd be wondering exactly what project genesis she signed up for something that sounded like i thought she was a test subject for something i didn't think she was going to a school i didn't really understand what was going on and i still don't well What's really going on is they know that she's the daughter of a Gen 12. They believe that she'll exhibit powers. As are all these kids, correct? Like, Grunge is there not because he's a genius, but because he's a, has some link to Gen 12, and the same with Roxy. And the frustrating thing is we never really know what Gen 12 was. We're, we see a computer readout at the beginning, and later we have a character come in and tell us things that happened when he was into it. But for the most part, it's a discontinued program to turn kids into psychics well we do yeah we see matthew callahan he's i guess one of the leaders at this school threshold mark hamill's character with the craziest surfer skate bangs ever yeah like hanging down in front of his eye yeah and he's like fighting some karate dude and beats him up and has psychic powers like that's our hint at to what this Genesis project is. I do wish there was more explanation of that. Maybe I'd get it from the comic because I'm like, Gen 12, they can't possibly be the 12th child of somebody who was experimented on because when would this go back to? I mean, we're doing League of Extraordinary Gentlemen next week. Does it go back that far if we're dealing with 14 generations? But I wish there was more about the experimentation. I wish we'd seen the father take the bad acid, you know, something like that to know he was experimented on. I never got that Roxy and Grunge were children of a Gen 12 because the way Threshold reacts when he finds out Caitlyn is possibly the progeny of a Gen 12. I thought that they're doing some kind of experimentation with the gas that comes into the rooms at night or injecting them with something. Maybe I'm just bringing a lot more Firestarter into it. Oh, see, I was bringing Deadpool. I'm surprised Deadpool didn't say Gen Activate when he got his powers because, yeah, they're just trying to stress them so superpowers happen. Yeah, it's the same thing. They put them in a glass tube and, like, shock them until they go psychic or die. Deadpool. But at least that was meant to be a joke. Here, this is, we're supposed to take this seriously. These are the scientists. You ought to know that something's wrong when the head scientist is wearing like an evening gown yes. with like a slit down. I'm like, <laughs> she is dressed for like a night out in New York. I do not know what the hell Ivana is doing running Gen 13. I thought she was Jessica Rabbit. But she is herself a gen, we'll find out at the end. She's got that metal arm and... Yeah, she's actually a cyborg. Yeah, I mean, anybody could put that arm on, right? She wants to overthrow the government for reasons... Power? Reasons? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. We'll find out in the next movie. Yeah. She'll form a team called DV8 in the comics. The letters D, V, and the number 8. Because 
90s extreme gen x <laughs> jacob i don't know why you're being sarcastic about that don't you think that's how everybody texts it now <laughs> i don't know if people know words that big anymore <laughs> <laughs> so at some point uh, so she was a gen 12 they don't spell it out yeah I, it gets real murky either gen 12s or they just some kind of experimentation that's been going on because at some point wolverine flies in here <laughs> on an emergency <laughs> crash landing saying oh yeah i was part of the last experiment that went wrong and i'm here to make sure you're not doing it again under whose authority i never quite understand he is with the u.s governments is my understanding you know and they're not no they're like a black ops thing that they probably get contracted by the government to go do some mercenary thing but no they are not directly connected with the government i i kind of thought they were but they were higher level of clearance they were very black ops secret stuff oh that's right because threshold does pull out he has a higher level of clearance than Lynch does at one point, so who knows? It's never explained. But I think that what Lynch is trying to do is uncover that they're doing illegal human experimentation, whereas the government, you know, the Senate Oversight Committee isn't paying a whole lot of attention to what they're doing at this base, and Lynch wants to because he knows what used to happen at this base and wants to make sure it doesn't happen again. Of course it's happening again. You think they drag all these kids out here to do push-ups? What the hell do you think they would be doing? That's what I couldn't understand is they're going to be shut down if they're making, they call them SPBs, superpowered beings. That's what she's tasked to do. Why would you drag all these kids out here to not do that? Math lessons. <laughs> Jesus. All right. I'll completely admit I was losing my interest during all of this. Threshold was not keeping my interest, Mark Hamill or no, because... All right, he's telekinetic. I know I'm watching a superhero movie, and he's a bad one. That kind of struck me as a little bit odd. We keep replaying the prologue, and Caitlin's having these dreams, which would be really interesting if we hadn't seen the prologue. If, like, we were only getting the flashbacks out of context, it would mean so much more to me. But that she's having these dreams merely serves to remind me that her brother's going to come back somewhere in the movie. Yeah, I, I, I'm waiting the whole time for, Fairchild, I am your brother. The moment Threshold says he's working for his parents' killers, I'm like, okay, that makes it real easy. Yeah, were we never supposed to think that that wasn't happening? Because her last name is, Caitlin's last name is Fairchild, not Callahan. Throws you off, right? Mm. Yeah, we have a character named Matthew who's holding a baby, and in the dream he falls down a waterfall and loses the baby and they don't recover the baby and she wakes up and it was her dream i mean she's now working for a guy named matthew this is painful of course it's him yeah but things start to improve and when i'm about to check out completely i've had just enough of the school i've had enough of its obvious machinations you get a shower scene <laughs> <laughs> Which I could not see. Believe me, I was trying to, I'm like, is that nudity? But my copy, that thing that's on YouTube is so pixelated, I couldn't tell. I went to the German version. No, they keep most of it out. The most you're ever going to get is bums in this. There is a weird boob shot that we'll talk about later. But okay. yeah, you, you don't get a whole, you get titillation. If you're like a 12-year-old boy and there's no internet, so you can't watch free porn, you might enjoy this. Believe me, it's the only thing that wakes you up. It's like, oh my God, girls are naked. <laughs> And one just sits down to have a cigarette while the other's showering. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. that's an eye line that if I were... The 
my wife was freaking out over that. She's like, girls would never do that. She's like, no, she's looking right at her thing. Not to mention they're in the shower steam. Like, how are you going to light a cigarette? Uh, I, I was thinking of sitting on that floor with all the fungus and it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. We're going to assume this school had good janitorial service. Yeah, Grudge was in there mopping up. <laughs> but you put words in my mouth I actually forgot. There was a shower scene. I'm thinking of when Caitlin starts to vomit is when I get back into the movie. <laughs> Weird fetish, Arnie. Yeah, she keeps having these headaches. And, you know, I can't figure out whether it's something that Matthew is doing to her or whether it's her powers coming to being. She has a weird hallucination scene in which her scrambled eggs grow tentacles and eyes. <laughs> <right>. More anime. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's just a throwback to that. But yes, this is what it takes to be a mutant or whatever they're calling these. Gen powered. Yeah, I definitely thought the headaches were related because we see they're doing experimentations. And that's the only thing in like... The 20 minutes from the time she arrives at the school to the time she discovers the secret room that interests me is they're like gassing them at night, putting them in tubes, drowning them, you know, doing like, yeah, the Deadpool stuff. And that's, I think, what's causing these headaches and the vomiting. Yeah, here, here's my question. She gets this headache and is able to escape the room. It seems like someone lets her out. It seems like someone someone leaves this computer open with her father's file open, ready to go. They call him Alexander Fairchild. So I don't really actually understand. Is that the same guy as Stephen Callahan? No, Fairchild is her and Matthew's father, and he got killed, and then Stephen took them. Okay, but in the computer report that started the movie, it's referred to as Stephen's progeny, which means his children. So I guess he had formally adopted them at this point. <laughs> But was he a Jen? I think maybe we're confused as to the names, but I took it as it was her father's record up on the computer and her uncle that raised her was not involved in the program. Yeah, no, the uncle we never even meet. Yeah, the uncle we have no idea about. We're told that she's handed to the uncle as soon as the program is shut down, which I guess we're supposed to mean that it's illegal to make mutants. And so that's why this has to happen in the middle of Arizona or wherever the hell they are. <laughs> my question is, wow, I didn't even think this was on the United States. You just blew my mind with that, that this would have <laughs> been somewhere. There were a lot of mesas. I was thinking Acme, Wiley Coyote. I just assumed Evil Island somewhere. But did someone set this up? Like, there's a cigarette that's burning. We know Ivana smokes. It's obviously not Roxy. I think Matthew we see smoking. Did someone want her to discover this stuff? I don't think so. Uh, yes, the screenwriters wanted to get this <laughs> out of the way. And this is the sloppy way in which we get the rest of the movie going. So, you're, Arnie, you're saying she just accidentally found this. Yeah, I think that it's very convenient. They didn't expect her to be out at night. You know, I think the trick is she got out of her room and they didn't expect that. They thought they'd gas her again and experiment on her again, not expecting her to have the gen version of morning sickness and just be hallucinating to the point of getting that lost. Well, I have a different theory on that. I think Matthew might be leading her on. I think he leaves little clues for her to find. It's difficult to say where his loyalties lie. On one hand, we see in the dream sequence, he drops the baby down the waterfall. He's captured. He, in fact, goes into the employment of the people that turned his parents into mutants, turned him into mutants, killed his parents. And so, does he have any resentment about that? 
he certainly has no problems flirting with Ivana, but we'll find later that he's trying to strike a bargain with Catelyn. So I think that maybe he left that computer for her to find. But maybe not. It could just be bad writing. That just seems like the obvious thing to do, but they never really come back to it. They don't close the loop. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, we're going to get a big fight scene. Like these, okay, here's the one thing I liked are these stormtroopers that they use. They kind of reminded me of the judges from Judge Dredd, the way their helmets were. So that was kind of fun. It seemed like something you'd see on that heavy metal cartoon that you mentioned, Arnie. So I like that one piece of animation, that one design element, I guess. I like it too. I like that they call them stormtroopers because it is an obvious Star Wars reference there. And it did strike me as very odd that they'd been at this base for so long and never noticed that there's military troops around to keep them in line. But by the same token, I was so excited something was happening. A shirt was being ripped off. You guys are always putting words in my mouth about this. No. Not yet. I'm just talking about having some action kickoff where Caitlyn is finally being an active character. To this point, we've seen her recruited to a school. We've seen her undergo tests that other people subjected her to. We've seen her accidentally find a room, but now she is going to actively fight back. And I'm like, you go, girl. Yeah, she's going to get psychic headaches and she hulks out here, basically. She gets some fire starter here, too. She gets that look <laughs> in her eye and her, yes. her hair does the Drew Barrymore there. But uh, yeah, basically, in order to get the power going, they do use titillation here. I feel like it's their one attempt at trying to keep people engaged. Is like, well, <laughs> how about if she used psychic powers to strike at them? Boring. How about if they blow off her clothes while she does it? <laughs> yes! What's so weird, though, again, I had to go to the German version to confirm this. It looked like, like, there was some dark area, but no defined nipple, and that is the case. Like, there is no nipple on her. She really is some kind of weird mutant. Like, they weren't willing to go all the way with it. Yeah, they show full boob, and there's, like, something that's hinting at nipple. I didn't think that they ripped her clothes off. I thought... She was hulked out. No, she hulks out because she grows, yeah. Yeah, I thought she was hulking out, and I didn't realize she was then going to have super strength. I thought they might go full Hulk, and she's, like, lost her mind, and she may lose it when she's no longer angry. But no, she is transformed, much like stature in Gen X. Wow, you guys are just pulling out the Gen X references. I I have, yeah, shut that out of my memory, X'd it out. Yeah, well, it's recommended if you can do it. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> what is her power? I don't really understand what her power is. Uh, She's strong and seemingly invincible, like... They shoot at her a lot. She never gets hurt. Okay. Obviously, yes. Like, she leans against a wall and leaves an impression, and she can, yeah, tear through when they throw some, like, uh, snares around her. She's able to break free. So, strength is basically, like the Hulk. She can get mad enough. She's She-Hulk, basically. Yeah, she's supposed to be 6'5 after she goes through this transformation. Okay. Yeah, and I like this... As a metaphor for maturation, as an adolescent, her body will go through changes. Here, they just happened all at once and brought along superpowers. This is working for me. But how is that any different than what we've seen in X-Men and Spider-Man? Like, yeah, I feel like they always use superpowers for puberty in these. I, I don't feel like this is any different, and it's definitely not any better. No. Yeah, I can't believe that you're citing this as some creative thing that's working for you here. You said we were putting words in your mouth. We were trying to give you a reason to be giving this a compliment. <laughs> because if you're not impressed with the teasing of TNA, what the hell are you getting from this? Listen, I'm not saying this isn't derivative, okay? I'm not saying this is original. 
Is it entertaining you? Yes, actually it is. I am being entertained as these people start coming into their powers. I'm anxious to know what Grunge and Roxy's powers are going to be. I thought Grunge turned right into Colossus because he turned into steel. And then later we find out, no, like Jacob said, it's Absorbing Man. I want to know what Roxy's powers are. I hadn't read the comic. You're going to have to wait a long time to get those, though. Yeah, I, I kind of figured we'd get them all at once and we'd have a super team. This is our DC Teams retrospective. Takes a little while to get there, but we get pretty much 50 minutes of nonstop action, and I'm going with it. Ooh, you're you're saying nonstop action. I tuned out. Like, yeah, they, they hide out in the bathroom, and then they get separated. Roxy and Grunge are captured. They're going to get tortured for a very long time by Threshold. Caitlyn's off running around in Arizona or wherever she is, like fighting Helga in a robot suit and airship shooting at her. I'm bored. Like I sat there and stared at the screen because that's what I got to do for now playing, but I was not engaged. I definitely had one eye on the screen, one eye on the clock. I was just watching the seconds tick down to sit through this. There's no way you can tell me this was exciting. You, as someone that has always said animation does not excite you, that you cannot get pumped up watching an animated sequence. There is no way that the substandard drawing is making you riveted. It's actually the characters. I'm enjoying the banter. The characters? The guy that ate too many chili dogs and needed to fart? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's grunge. Come on, there is a Star Wars joke, blue one to blue leader. And the fact that I never saw Grunge and Rocky see as hooking up until they start, like, kissing right in the torture room. Well, she's in her underwear, yeah. That's when you're going to make your move. They're both in their underwear. Again, because they need to do something. Let's torture them and give them powers. Boring. But they can be in their underwear. <laughs> Done. <laughs> it's so desperate. You may have been in the image offices overhearing some of the stuff that they were discussing, but if you're not going to be original, at least be fun. And at this point, I'm having fun. I can't understand why. I'm enjoying the over-stylized bits. I wish the animation was better, but when, when Ivana reveals her big metal arm with the claws, there... You know what? I've often said animation can't get me excited, but I really wondered if she was going to rip off Freddy Krueger? <laughs> Caitlyn's leg. I thought that Caitlyn might get dismembered. Maybe it would grow back. Maybe she'd get a robot arm like her brother has a robot eye. But I thought there might be stakes. Yeah, but you've skipped a lot of material <laughs> to get to that point. This team, I'm using finger quotes there, is separated way too long. And watching Fairchild run around in the desert is not fun, and they spend a lot of time doing it. I can't think of when the fun's supposed to kick in. I mean, honestly, everything is a foregone conclusion. Of course she's the child that got dropped down the waterfall. Of course she's going to develop psychic powers and superhuman strength and all of that. Of course they're all going to become a super team. That doesn't happen until the last seconds of this quote-unquote movie. Most of this, yes, is running around. Yeah, when Fairchild finally gets to this hangar and Yvonne is there revealing her cyborg arm and turning it into a whip, yeah, the team's finally there and we're going to see Grunge form his powers. But then we're going to have to wait even longer to see Roxy show her powers. It's like we can't even have a team then. It's the slow burn. There's no way that this movie is more fun than Clone Wars. There's just no way. 
This is she's about as good as Vestra or whatever the hell <laughs> Ventress, whatever the thing hell that thing was. She's not maybe not as good as that. I'd watch this before Clone Wars. I'll, I'll put it that way. Clone Wars had moments that dragged on and on. I wouldn't. I'm with Jacob on this. This is better than that loosely tied together series of episodes. In what way? It's certainly not animated better. It's certainly not more action packed. It's certainly not better written. It is animated better than those marionettes that were in Clone Wars. Absolutely. <laughs> This animation is crap, but it's still better than what Lucas put on the screen. <laughs> it is not. I'd rather watch this than those weird marionettes that they did for Clone Wars. I agree there. <laughs> I disagree. And let me cut, let me let me just put in my PS. Clone Wars animation got so much better as it evolved on the screen, but that movie was ass. Look, I only had to deal with one fart joke here. How many stinky fart jokes did we have to deal with in that? <laughs> True, there's nothing on the level of stinky here, but it is all just lame. I mean, I can't believe that you're citing anything here as fun. Nothing here is fun. You're misleading people greatly by saying anything here is fresh or exciting. It is rote. No, there, I've never said fresh. There's nothing here fresh. It is all just redoing in a slightly different tinge stories that any comic book fan has heard a million times before. But the way the characters are going, the way every voice actor except our lead is giving <laughs> delivery, Alicia Witt, you're fired. But everybody else, I'm just enjoying the performance and I'm enjoying the creation of the powers and how it comes. And when Grunge gets his powers, the fun he has, slightly infectious. As the dude in shining armor? Yeah, I was, you know, it's the 90s. I'm taking it as such. <laughs> I'm not going to be too hip and say the 90s are all, you know, 20 years ago. And so everything that was cool then is lame now. I'll go with it. Here's a major difference then. I really couldn't stand Grunge. Really hated that character. I mean, just super annoying. I actually came in thinking Flea would be the worst actor in here because, come on, Flea? I saw him briefly in Point Break and not briefly in The Chase. Not exactly who I consider a master thespian, but man, he acts circles around Alicia Witt. <laughs> Back to the Future. I mean, he's acted in a bunch of stuff. Oh, yeah, forget he was in that. But here, I mean, no, seriously, this is a guy that just does dude lines. It's like they get in a chopper to get away, and he's like, let's go surf in Hawaii, man. I mean, woof. Yeah, what, what's so weird is when Lynch, he comes with his people, and they're attacking the base— not exciting. We get this face-off between Threshold and Roxy. Like, finally, her powers develop. And Threshold, who's like this crazy psychic, shooting beams out. He's like, with some more training, you could be a master rival. I'm like, really? All she She's the invisible woman. She makes force fields and can float. Like, how is... Why is all of a sudden Roxy, like, the main focus here for Threshold? Yeah, she's not. And again, I didn't get that any of them had any... The only one that seemed to really have powers that were definable was grunge the girls i didn't really understand there's also another a native american i think she's named sarah rainmaker yeah she would join the team later on all, all these students they're taken away by yvonne at the end and they would either eventually be part of gen 13 or deviate i see setting up the sequels yeah that's yeah. what it feels like i'm like we're told there's all these other kids around somewhere but we've only really spent any time with three of them and then just a little with sarah and just enough to make you wonder why the hell 
you know, she's not in the rest of the movie. For the fans. The fans were excited by that. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. That's what I didn't understand is that there's all these kids and we're told they're put in cryogenic freeze and whisked away while the base is blown up. And that's it. That's your movie. Yeah. It even ends on a weird note. It's Fairchild and Lynch. And Lynch is like, we'd like you to join our team. Okay. Cut to credits. It was a weird beat. Well, I did kind of like the we'll be like the super friends. I mean, the way it happens is more fun than you're describing, even if it is very rote. And Lynch, he didn't get enough screen time for John Delancey for me. He, you know, just kind of growled around a little bit. And him showing up at the end, though, added a bit of plausibility that these three teens could overtake the base. They had military backing in here. And I didn't quite know, though, if his entire gig was to stop the creation of superpowered beings while he'd find someone and immediately say, join the army. But I think that's the premise of the comic. Yeah, we got to go hunt down Ivana and, ooh, is Threshold dead? Maybe not. We'll never know. Yeah, Threshold's in the middle here. I didn't get the sense that he was on Ivana's team here at the end. He's crushed in the rubble and, you know, he... Again, he tried to make an offer for Caitlin, join me. He kills their pilot, scanner style. I get the sense that he's just sort of a a man in for himself. And because they're blood relations, there'll always be a, a connection between them that means she can't kill him. Maybe I just enjoyed, as the Star Wars fan, Mark Hamill playing the Darth Vader role a little bit too much. Caitlin, I am your brother, join me. Maybe you'll really like episode eight then. Who knows? Depending how he goes there. Will he be in it more? <laughs> I'm sure. Gotta be, right? <laughs> <laughs> but to me, where we end here after 80 painful minutes is where I would have wanted it to be 25 minutes into a movie. This is an origin story. Perhaps I'm just becoming more tolerant of them as we see them again and again and again. But I am okay with this being how the team forms. I'm also okay with not making any movie sequels to this because I'm not dying of curiosity to see the next thing from the movie, but I got where it was going. I felt there were some leaps of logic. Maybe the comic could fill in these gaps, but Rote isn't always bad. I mean, it's just right there on the line. This is below the line. This is below any line that we should set for our viewers, but... We've already done Legend of the Superheroes. I mean, come on. Well, you said when we did Legend of the Superheroes, you thought each one would be a step up. So let's find out if you stand by that. Find out if this is better than the previous two TV Justice League adventures. Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Gen 13? Jacob. When I was looking at fans' reactions to this film, because I was interested to see what they thought. I was never a big Gen 13 person, though I liked Image, and what teen in the 90s that was into comics didn't like Image? I mean, that that was the biggest thing ever. But people were like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like the comic, and I think a lot of people, you know, especially with geek culture, they just want to see things they love. Like, I love this comic, you're going to make a movie of it, I'm going to love that too. And that seems to be the reaction. For me, I didn't love this. I, I It's very image to me, though, because I... It's not DC, really, but because I know Image, I could see those influences, and I don't know if I could appreciate them, but but I could see why this is the way it is, like why there's the blood, why there's the nudity and the panty shots and all that kind of stuff. Does that make this good, though? Well, I will say what Stuart said is correct, that they keep slightly getting better. Like, this is slightly better than that Justice League pilot, which was, well, much more entertaining than that 
Legends of the Superheroes. But no, this still is not a recommend for me. It's long periods of boredom, especially when there's action going on. I should be adrenalized. That's the point of action. But watching Fairchild run around in the desert again doesn't do much for me. It takes too long for anything exciting to happen. And it's so weird. Once you remove that conflict with their college roommate, there's really no characterization in here to like get behind these characters. So if you like the 90s and you liked Image or you liked X-Men and you just want to see things you love on the screen, you might like this. But no, not a recommend for me. Stuart. Yeah, I thought this would be uncontested. I honestly thought we would all be grumbling through the drudgery that is this movie. Because that makes such a fun show when we're all complaining about being here. <laughs> but that's what I imagined this to be tonight. I mean, I'm really like, there's just nothing here that's good. We all would understand that. I mean, the only thing that keeps this off the level of Firestarter, Rekindled, and Generation X is because it doesn't have shitty live action effects. If you went back and animated those in this style, it would be a slight improvement because it wouldn't look so hokey, but it wouldn't save the fact that it's interminably boring. There's nothing about it that's appealing. Bland TV pilot with nudity thrown in to, to fix it up. Here's the thing, like Gen 13, Generation X... We don't like to be marketed to. This is the generation that doesn't like to be put into typecast. To be reduced not only to typecast, but to idiot typecast. I mean, man, they should have copied types. They should have had characters here. They should have had some kind of characterization for this team. What we're left with are Saturday morning cartoon stereotypes that have nothing to do with Generation X. And yeah, it's it's a abhorrent. I can't believe that this wouldn't be considered a red arrow. This is bad. Is it better than the last two? Barely. Barely is the answer. And yeah, we're still firmly in terrible territory. You're grumpy. <laughs> That's all I can say is this is not worthy of this level of vitriol. It really isn't. And saying that the last two, if animated, would be better than this, or at least the last one, is downright false. Because the last one was Justice League 90210. This one, at least... It wasn't that good. It should have been that good. God bless us if we had had (laughs) generic stereotypes that were that good. At least this was more focused on the adventure. Tell me something that's good here. I honestly, I need for you to tell me one thing you think is good. It's a fairly decent X-Men ripoff. The origin story, the hero characters, the fire starter-like shop piques my interest. Why wouldn't you want to watch any of those before this? Why would you watch this instead of Akira, X-Men, Firestarter. The whole world isn't either or choices. If I've seen those and I want something else to watch like this, here it is. But this is unacceptable. These have nothing to offer. Here's what I'll give this movie. It interested me in the Gen 13 property so much. Something I was dreading watching. You went and bought some comics, didn't you? I went out (laughs) and I ordered the trade paperback. Of the original stuff? Yep. The first five issues upon which this movie is based. At the very least, I'll get better art from J. Scott Campbell. Yeah, you'll like the art at least, yeah. (laughs) And if it's the same story, it'll have better art. If J. Scott Campbell had animated this, it would be firmly in recommend territory. As it is, I'm right on the line. It's semi-passable. Is that a recommend? No! It's it's okay. (laughs) Do I want to say don't watch it? I, I still vehemently disagree with the 
anger you're expressing here. I mean, because it's been three shit movies in a row that are completely <laughs> without merit. You should not judge this movie based upon what we watched last week. You got to judge this movie for this movie. And that's what I'm doing. I am. It's horrible. But having three horrible movies in a row is driving me insane. Obviously, because you're acting like a crazy person with the overreaction to this movie. I'm going to give it a not recommend, but a really weak one. It made me interested in the comic. That's a positive. You're right. It's derivative. And you're right. There's better stuff out there. I wouldn't say seek this out. So I guess that's why it's a not recommend. But there's some enjoyment to be had in watching it. So that's why it's a very weak not recommend. It was right on that line for me. Yeah, I, I think you're overselling how bad it is a little bit, Stuart. I'll agree with Arnie there, but it's pretty bad. All right. Yes, perhaps... My fury has more to do with the fact that we watched three movies in a row that have no merit to it. And I'm getting exasperated at having to sit through something that has no merit. But there is nothing good here. I mean, that should really be stressed. It may not be horrible, but there is nothing at all good here. Except for the vocal performances, the concept. The concept is nothing. The concept is X-Men. That's a good concept. Yeah, no, I'm going to say if you're open to superhero, you just love superhero stuff and you don't really discriminate. If you have no discerning taste and just need a ripoff of an X-Men, then yes. Well, I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to go that far. I'm not going to insult everybody who likes this, no. But I, I could see people enjoying this. I'll, I'll just say it that way. I'm not going to recommend it and I didn't enjoy it. But I could see people in the comic community liking it. If this were a popular comic book, it's because they did something that this movie didn't do. I can promise you that. There's no way that this is what's on the page. It's pretty close. <laughs> wow. I'll find out the trade paperback was only $3 used. Didn't take a huge <laughs> risk. Was this popular? Did people really like this? Hugely. Yeah, yeah, this was a big deal. I mean, these characters are, uh, I don't know if any of the Gen 13 characters are around. Wildstorm characters are still around in the DC universe. So this is something that's lasted. I've looked into it. There's a lot of comics out there. They went through several volumes and specials. They crossed over with Marvel. They actually crossed over with Generation X, where they'd be like, hey, you're <laughs> us and we're you. There's the cartoon Stuart wants. <laughs> God, man. There's nothing here. I mean, anybody could do this. Give me a pen and a marker and I could do something like this. This takes no energy at all to expend. I think you're devaluing the work of a lot of Asian animators. Koreans. Koreans. <laughs> now, I'm not saying I can draw like them. I'm saying that there is nothing to this concept at all. No, in the with the image tradition, I'll, I'll just say it again. These were not writers. These were artists coming over and having to create whole new worlds because they wanted to own the characters they were drawing. So that's not saying not all artists are bad writers, but these were people primarily thinking visually. And it, they were visually striking in the day. I don't think that translates into this cartoon. Yep, I definitely say better than Gen X, better than any of the things we've reviewed so far this series. So close to a recommended. I'm going to go out on a limb. Haven't rewatched it yet, but from my memory... Better than what we're going to watch next week, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Well, I'll say this. Uh, we'll talk about Sean Connery's career and retirement, supposedly because of that film. I think its reputation is probably worse than the actual film because of the history associated with it. But 
Come on, Stuart. We're getting a real movie, at least. I'm very excited about it. Yes. It's something I've seen before. It's something that actually played in movie theaters all over the world. I think that counts for something. We need to ask that, I think, for future properties. Like, this TV drudgery, which is what we've gone through now. Again, I think this was intended for theaters, possibly. I cannot believe that. I cannot believe that anyone working on this thought that this was worthy of theatrical American screening. No way. This is... No. But yes, what we're getting next week definitely was. And yeah, we'll find out if it's as bad as its reputation would have you believe. In the meantime, if you want to hear us discuss movies that Stuart doesn't spit venom at, (laughs) we have the now-playing book. You can get it in audiobook as part of our bundle or the print book. Pre-orders are still going on right now nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book and there's comic book movies in there Dread and Scott Pilgrim a lot of other action movies as well as dramas musicals suspense horror we've covered the gamut here all eras of film all types of film you can see the full listing but you can place your pre-order at nowplayingpodcast.com slash book so Jacob Stewart Thank you for joining me. I, I won't curse you this time like I have the last couple of shows. <laughs> this was just merely bad. And until next time, good night and Kareem! Okay, guys. Mission accomplished. <laughs> good work, brother wizard. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Bravo, Justice League, bravo, a virtuoso performance. But I want you to keep one thing in mind about the weather. It can change at any moment. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week as we review another DC Comics film, featuring all the way through a weekend of release review of Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. Now, if you begin to feel an intense and crushing feeling of religious terror at the concept, don't be alarmed. That indicates only that you are still sane. And while at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums, where you can discuss the DC movies with other listeners. Have they talked you into joining us yet? And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other comic book films, such as Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four. What is it? The future, gentlemen. The future. You can also listen to our reviews of other movie series, including The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more. Only the best of the best come here. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com. You know, I like to go watch movies. You know, I, I like to watch long movies because, you know, I have to run around all day. If you want even more Now Playing reviews, place your order now for the first Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. Get reviews of 125 films our hosts love. We don't do this thing because it's permitted. We do it because we have to. We do it because we're compelled. You can order the book by clicking the banner at the top of our homepage. We've got to tell the others. There's no time. Oh, yes, there is. You can follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are available on our homepage. 
Can't spend your life in front of a computer, Tori. You know, it's a lot safer. Yeah, well, you know, fighting for truth, justice, and the American way just isn't helping my bank account, you know? <laughs> Support from listeners like you. Help keep now playing operating. The watchdog group of nuclear scientists has moved the doomsday clock to two minutes until midnight. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Give them the money, Batman. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcasts by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. The link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. You boys look nice in your underwear. Now Playing's DC Teams retrospective series is edited by Heath and Arnie. God doesn't make the world this way. We do. Now Playing credit narration by Brock. Oh, I know. He talks funny. <laughs> now Playing is not affiliated with DC Comics or Warner Brothers Pictures. DC Comics and all that the DC Universe contains are copyright and trademark Warner Brothers Entertainment, and no infringement is intended. Where do you see what I'm going to do to you when I get you back to the cat cave? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. It's a joke. It's all a joke. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2016, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. You don't think that's a little paranoid? Not what they say about me now. Paranoid. Home voyage. Nothing ends. Nothing ever ends. Superheroes! Disperse! Gen 13 is first, right? What a bitch that was to find, too. You didn't watch it on YouTube? My God, that picture was too terrible. It was. I went back and watched some of the German one because it was clear. Because I couldn't judge the animation style based on the English one. Yeah, I got one that was much clearer, but the audio was miserable. That may have just been the movie. Did you get one that was good? Yeah, actually, I did. <laughs> did you have one with, like, a good story and, like, interesting characters? Yes. Doing something you want to watch? Yeah, actually, I you did. You did not. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> We're going to have a fun show. Uh, you cannot recommend this turd ball. Today we're discussing. <laughs> it just goes into it. <laughs> and then... When we see Rachel in school with her roommate and... Not Rachel. What? Caitlin. And then when we see Caitlin in school with her roommate Rachel asking her for a condom. Nope, Alexa. Alexa? Rachel was the mom. (laughs) Well, there's all my notes wrong. (laughs) I'm like, where are you getting... I knew Rachel was the wrong name. I was trying to figure out who Rachel is. Yeah, she's dead. 
But by the same token, I was so excited something was happening. A shirt was being ripped off? (laughs) We didn't get there yet, and you guys are always putting shit in my mouth. That came out really wrong. (laughs) 